Hey, what's up? This is Matt Burdick with Impact 89 FM. I am here with Get Tough. They just released their debut record in Sickness and in Hell. It's very good. I'm a huge fan. So how are you feeling? Is it like a big weight is lifted off your shoulders now that the album's out? Uh, kind of. I feel like it was this whole, uh, like all of last year was me working on this record. And I mean, the writing process was even longer than that. Now I feel like there's there's definitely a weight lifted, but now I'm like, oh my God, I'm not working on anything. <laughs> like I need to do something right now. But then I'm also just in my head, like you can't release anything else right now. You just put an album out. So take a break and just like, let that be what it is. But it's so hard because I, I often feel like I put my worth into my productivity. So I feel a little bit lost right now. Just like, what am I going to do next? But it's also kind of an exciting feeling. Yeah, kind of like that post-show depression that you get, like when you've been watching a TV show for maybe like months and then it's over, you just don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah, it, it's definitely like that. Yeah. And I think in especially in the absence of touring and stuff, this definitely yeah. kind of feels like a, like a post-tour depression or like a, I don't know, anytime you spend a long time on like a project or really anything. I, I like that you compared it to watching TV shows because I am quite a binger. So I definitely feel that all the time. And I like hit the end of something and I'm just like, well, now what? I just watched seven seasons of this in two weeks. <laughs> like, What have you been binging lately? Um, I, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of America's Next Top Model. I really am into like trash reality shows. And that one's definitely my favorite. And there's so much of it. So like, I won't be thrown into that kind of like, what do I watch now sort of thing. I watched Bridgerton. I watched all of it in like two days. And that I definitely had the like, oh my gosh, when is there going to be like another season of this? Um, I could go on for hours about <laughs> what, what shows I'm watching. We don't need to do that. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's get into the album then. Uh, I want to start out talking about the album cover. I really like the cover art and I thought it was cool how it's kind of like maybe something that you would more see on like a metal or hardcore album <laughs> or something. I think it's really cool to have that juxtaposition with like the bubblegum poppy sound of the album. Yeah, what was the inspiration behind that cover? So I've always been really inspired by the darker parts of music. It's funny that you you mentioned the cover like first off because I was actually just having this conversation with a friend about how I think I often go more towards the like darker side of representing something, even mm -hmm. if sonically it doesn't sound that way. And I think ultimately that is because like when you write something and you put like all of your emotion into it, you already have the perspective of like the darker parts of that emotion. And so I think when you think critically about how to represent it, you're more likely to fare darker because of what like whether it was like a taxing thing on you or just like deeply affecting thing to you, like you're always going to fare more towards that. And for me, it was just like, I, I've always kind of had a vision of this project having that sort of dark aesthetic. And that is mostly just because that is the person that I am. I love like horror movies and like, you know, all of that. And because this album deals so much with the like inner turmoil and kind of the the fight against the self with mental health I kind of wanted to represent like 
you know, my, I wanted myself to represent like those inner demons, um, which (laughs) when I say it out loud, it sounds kind of like fake deep or whatever, but (laughs) genuinely I had the idea of like, I want this to look like an eighties found footage movie because that's like kind of the way that, you know, when you're having that inner struggle, that's kind of the way I see it. It's like, you're fighting with this like monsterized demonic version of yourself and one way or another, you have to, you have to defeat it. And so it's interesting that, you know, I kind of take on the, the demonic sort of role in it, but the story that I sort of made up in my head is like, you're in this like battle with this like monstrous version of yourself and then you kill and eat them. You, you just do that. And that's the metaphor for like swallowing your past and moving on and all of that. And I don't know if that's like effective at all. At the end of the day, I think it looks really cool also. So um, it uh, it looks really cool. Uh, (laughs) Have you like considered like putting any of these concepts into like a music video visually representing that story in your head? Oh, uh, yeah. I (laughs) like, I thought a lot about how I want to do visual content, specifically like music videos and stuff. Cause it wasn't a thing that I ever really thought of because so much of my brain was just caught up with like making the album Mm -hmm. but I want to keep the darker edge there because in even like outside of the the like contrast there I think my sound is going to fare that direction the longer I keep doing it because this record was kind of a lot of me learning how to make this sort of music because it was kind of my first foray into doing something electronic. So I think using what I've learned and using the outside influences of those like darker things that I enjoy, like Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep getting more and more intense. Maybe once I become like a really, really dark, creepy pop artist, my whole aesthetic will shift and I'll I'll do this like 80s disco aesthetic (laughs) on top of that which would be very interesting, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, at the point where like the most shocking thing you can do is to be like less shocking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I know you play in a lot of other bands too, namely The Weekdays, Jetty Bones, Save Face, if I'm not mistaken. And that's a lot more like indie rock, punk and emo stuff. So what pushed you in the direction of this more like synthy, electronic, dancey music for your solo stuff? So I've always loved pop music. Um, I'm like a huge Taylor Swift fan, huge Lord fan. It's a lot of what I listen to. And I've always been really inspired. Oh yeah, I huge, huge Taylor Swift fan. Very good to be a Taylor Swift fan this past year also, just like having a great time. But yeah, I never like really saw myself making anything like this. I've always joked about like how cool it would be to be a pop star or whatever. But it actually all kind of started because I was on tour with my old band and I ran out of data on my phone. So I couldn't like do anything while we were like in the van. So I just started making beats and like loops in GarageBand on my phone. <laughs> and I got really like intrigued by it. And I was like, oh, I can like make demos on the road now. And at first that intention was like, okay, I'll make these demos and then like I'll replace these synths with like, you know, guitars or, you know, other regular instruments. And then I just started to really find a love for kind of mapping a synth tone and kind of making it sound the way, like exactly the way you wanted it to. Cause it is like a fun science. There's just like so mm-hmm. many knobs and yeah, I just, I got really into it. And I just one day decided that that was just going to be the thing that I, I wasn't going to try to replace it with anything. And from then on, I was just going to make electronic music and just like see how it worked. And I, I really, really fell in love with it. Um, especially because of touring so much, like 
it was so much easier for me to feel creatively um, driven when I was able to just right there, like make it, you know, because I would have like my iPad with with, like a larger screen and I can just work in like full garage band on that. So I would just be making songs all the time, which is actually like how a lot of the songs on the album came to be was just like me in the van, just like playing around, which was really affirming. And now it's like crazy that that one little thing that happened to me on a tour that was just like kind of silly has grown into you know me putting out an LP like that's that's absolutely wild to me yeah that's such a cool like origin story to like almost like a like a mythical I don't know I mean if you ever read a a biography that'd make a good a good chapter right Um, so does playing in these other bands kind of influence like the way you write your solo songs too or vice versa or do you try to make them like purposely as different as possible It's interesting because in the other bands that I'm in, like in the weekdays, I like write for that band as well. But in the other two bands, I don't really write much outside of like my own parts. Mm -hmm. So I would say that less like being in those bands like influences the sound. I guess, yeah, being in those bands would influence the sound, but by way of like being inspired by the music that we're like surrounded by, like bands that we're on tour with. Because obviously I love like indie rock and like punk music and stuff. And a lot of my favorite bands are in that genre. And I don't know, it's like, I feel like I take inspiration from kind of everywhere, which is kind of a fun thing. The The main way that I think it converges for me is because I'm just, you know, when I'm writing, it's just whatever comes out, comes out. It's hard to exactly pinpoint where it comes from. But I think the the one place where it converges is that I definitely try not to change my vocal delivery between those projects you know like I think that my voice is kind of always going to have a little bit of like a punk edge to it which I hope is something that like sets me apart because it is just something that kind of comes naturally but it was also like a decision that I made to continue delivering my vocals that way versus you know trying to do like a pop star thing yeah So then you said you've had the album bouncing around for like a few years now. And when you released those first couple singles under the Get Tough name back in like this spring, did you know they were going to be part of the this album specifically? Or were you just trying to like put out the music that you had and see how people felt? So I knew they would be a part of the album. At that point, when I started releasing the songs, I didn't know Like I knew the singles I was releasing were going to be on the album. I didn't know what else was going to be on the album. I basically had been, you know, making multiple track lists of, you know, different songs in my catalog of demos, which is like so many. Um, So I had made like a ton of track lists and really I had only truly settled on the, the four songs that I put out as singles. Like I'd only really settled on those being on the record. And funny enough, the third single, Piss Poor Excuse, it wasn't even written when I put out the the first single. Oh no! Um, yeah, it was just like one of those things where I wrote a song and I suddenly was like, oh, this is a single and it's going on the album. So like we're doing that. But I knew, thankfully I didn't have like a deadline, but I really wanted to have the album out within, you know, less than a year of like starting to release the singles. Yeah. But my back catalog is just so huge. So it was a real struggle trying to decide what was actually going to end up on it. I'm happy with the track list now. I kind of want to release some of the B-sides though, you yeah. know, because I, I basically, when I set out to write an album, I told myself I'm going to write 20 songs and then I'm going to 
like pick 10 of them. And what ended up really happening was I wrote like 40 songs <laughs> and then I had to only pick 10 of them, which was so hard. <laughs> narrow it down to the B-sides. Like how many, how many more can you release? Oh, right. Of course, just a whole nother project. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've, I've joked that if I put out B-sides, it would just be a whole nother album. Like. <laughs> yeah. When you're putting together these track lists, then what do you prioritize? Is it like cohesive sound or like concept or are you just going for like your 10 favorite songs? Um, it With this album, it was definitely like I was trying to make it cohesive mm -hmm. um, and I wanted it to make sense narratively. Like I wanted it to feel like it could be like one story or not even one story, but just like one progression of like emotions, you know? But really what ended up happening in trying to keep it um, narratively flowing was that I ended up kind of splitting the album into like three acts, you know? The first like four songs would be like act one. And then like, there's like a section in the middle with like three lo-fi songs, that's act two. And then, you know, it splits after that. And then, you know, you get to this like grand climax at the end that kind of ends on that like melancholy note. It made me think a lot of like, cause I love, musical theater yeah. so it was like I think I compartmentalized it in that way of like you can split this into like three acts and like the the songs at the end and beginning of the acts that are next to each other don't necessarily have to go together they just have to show that we're like moving on to a new point in the story yeah so it's like um, a pop opera pop yeah. opera I'm gonna trademark that Ooh, I love that that's amazing well, I'm so glad you pointed that out because that was something <laughs> I like picked up on that I wanted to ask about too is that there oh, was nice. such a there was like a noticeable shift at certain points in the album where like the first four tracks are super dancey and then after um piss poor I think yeah after mm -hmm. piss poor and it turns into worms for brains and it gets kind of more like beat oriented and yeah I want to say low-key but not low-key like so I don't know I don't know what the word I'm looking yeah, for yeah <laughs> that that part of the album is definitely inspired by my love of like lo-fi music and of like SoundCloud rappers and I don't know I wanted it to I think something about that sound that is so intriguing to me is how like genuine it feels and that was kind of what I wanted to invoke for the second act because like like you said the first act is like very dancey like granted like lyrically it's still pretty dark um but then you hit this shift where it like comes down and I think it's kind of the like you're dancing and now you're sitting down and you're just like whoo I'm exhausted now <laughs> like and I liked that sort of shift and I liked how stark it was you know yeah also I love how albums do this how you kind of it's almost like there's two closing tracks with uh ex post facto and there's oh, I always it's, there's up. nothing here yet don't worry about there's it here yet. I always <laughs> want to call it there's nothing here anymore I don't know oh yeah but uh <laughs> and how like one of them is like this huge high like serotonin uh <laughs> seems like the kind of triumphant point and then it goes down to this like crushing sadness <laughs> in a way and yeah so is that did you kind of have a conflict about like what point to end it on or did you always know it was going to go like that okay so again funny you asked this I was just talking to someone about this it when I made the track list and got it to basically where it was going to be I was struggling between those last two songs and whether they should go in one order or the other because ex post facto was the last song that I wrote for the record and I very intentionally wrote it 
to be this kind of like triumphant moment. I made it referential to the album name. It's like a title track that's not really a title track. Um, and that was like a very intentional thing of wanting the kind of amalgamation of all of these feelings expressed throughout the arc of the album to kind of come to this point of like, you know, be nicer to yourself. Um, you know, that's kind of, that's the boss battle. That's the like, we're yeah. really killing our inner demons now. But I started to think that I didn't really want it to end triumphantly because if I really think about the emotions expressed here and what I'm trying to to kind of represent with this album, it is that living with mental illness and with trauma, it is kind of cyclical and it's a thing yeah. that's always going to be with you. So I kind of wanted to end on the melancholy note and I'm really happy that I did because I think it like it's fun to encapsulate the record with ex post facto and then kind of have the moment of like solace and being alone with the self that comes in there's nothing here yet I think that like kind of stark change was really interesting and yeah I just I wanted I wanted it to like invoke the feeling like the cyclical nature of, of the yeah. that experience and I just I kind of love a lot of people are just like what is that last song? And I'm just like, you know, I mean, like I'm, I was going through it like, like I always am. So bring it back to like the eighties horror movie thing. Is it <laughs> wrong to say maybe then that like ex post facto is like the end of the movie, but then uh, there's nothing here yet. It's like the after credit scene where it's like, yes! it's still alive or like Carrie's hand comes out. Of the yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. I've never thought of it that way, but that is 100% what it is. Awesome. Like, yeah, that's, that's great. I, I now envision it as like a, it's like a high school slasher, you know, where, <laughs> where like everybody's happy at the end and we're all, the, the credits are rolling yeah. and then like Jason just like appears like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I love that. So you said uh, you wrote Ex Post Facto last to kind of like tie it into the title of the album. So you had the title already planned out before you even wrote the song with the lyric in it? Yes. Um, funny enough, I came up with the album name and the band name on the same day <laughs> not ever thinking that I would use either of them I was like on tour I was filling in for a friend's band and we were driving to a show and I was driving and so I'm just like chatting with everybody to like yeah. kind of keep me focused and I was just like you know I've always I I've been thinking about like band names and like you know uh album names whatever the way that you do when you're in bands and I was like I just think that like in sickness and in hell is such a cool name and someone else in the vehicle was like don't you, you better use that or I'm gonna use it and I was just mm -hmm. like I was like oh god uh, I don't know if I'm gonna use it I mean like maybe but like don't use it it's mine and then I was like yeah I also think it'd be cool to call a project get tough but t-u-f-f -F, that's just like silly to me because <laughs> at that time this project was called sleep school which was kind of a just a very like throwaway name that I I just needed a band camp to put things on yeah. so I was just like this is the name of the project and so I I told people that I liked the name get tough so many times that people were like just change your band name just do it <laughs> I'm just like okay that's fine and then when I changed the name I kind of knew that the album had to be called that too because it's like if you think about these names so much you better just use them because yeah, obviously yeah. they mean something to you <laughs> And then there were never any like rejected album titles or anything. It was always going to be called In Sickness and Hell. Yeah, um, never, never any other name. I 
like the Google Drive folder that I've been putting demos in for the last like three years has always been called in sickness and in hell. And yeah, I just kind of stuck with it. And I think it really encapsulates like what the album is about, which is funny considering the name. It's like a chicken and the egg sort of thing. The name came first before I like wrote any of the songs, Um, which I kind of love that. That's like a fun little thing because it it's almost like it was informing the process without me really thinking about it. And I'm glad you uh, brought up like the origin of the name too, because that's a perfect segue. I wanted to talk about how there's a song on the album called Get Tough. And I love it when artists have like, Get Tough by Get Tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, so was that meant to be kind of like, I don't know, a mission statement or did that just seem like the right title for the song? So that's, it's kind of a, kind of a funny thing. Like that song is like when I wrote it, I was like literally having a panic attack at that moment. It was like right after I had moved to Lansing, actually, I'd probably only been here for like a week or two and we were having a show at my house and I was trying to like be a good host and all this. And Mm -hmm. I started to get like really like socially anxious because I hadn't been like around that many people in a while. And I think between trying to be a host and also like being in a new place in a new city and like all of this, it just like became a lot for me. And so I like ran up to my room, I started demoing that song and I like did the whole thing. And that like break in the middle is literally me panicking. Like, it's like, that's like genuine. (laughs) I just decided I should record it because I was like, this could be a cool, weird section of this song. (laughs) And so that's like real. But when I finished the song and I, you know, stopped panicking and I kind of sat back and listened to it, it immediately became clear to me, like what my goals for the project were and like like sonically and kind of in like a mission statement way in that like I wanted it to be this thing that you can dance to but also have like really dark like emotional depths and I wanted it to be very vulnerable which is like those that was like the first time I had done all of those things at once in a demo and felt like I was being like really true to my own experiences and being like vulnerable about them and also hiding darkness under like a poppy dance layer. And so I named it after the band because I was just like, this this like taught me where I was going. And it's not the oldest song on the record by any means, but it's it's the one where I really figured out like what I wanted to do. Ooh, that's awesome. So then, yeah, it sounds like a lot of your songwriting process then is just like not setting out intentionally to like write a song, but just letting letting things like flow in and then oh yeah comes out comes out uh yeah it's definitely very stream of consciousness which is um a little bit frustrating because i sometimes i just want to sit down and try right. to write a song but that is unfortunately never the way that it works for me and all of the songs that i really end up enjoying of mine are ones that i'm like writing through something as i'm experiencing it And through writing this album, that's something that I've kind of tried to honor more and to kind of embrace instead of trying to fight it. Mm -hmm. Because even though it hurts in the moment when you're trying to kind of write through the complexity of an emotion or an experience, you always end up with a better product. And I, I think it always feels more genuine. But God, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, I start feeling something and I like sit down and I start demoing something out and then suddenly it's been like eight hours and like I have a demo finish but I feel insane so that's the pitfall of it I guess but you know I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that 
process for the world really because it really has helped me like understand myself more um be honest with myself more and be vulnerable with others yeah definitely and it's like if you're gonna have that like sudden hyper fixation on some sort of like (laughs) musical thought yeah better to just get all of that out instead of just going through the whole day like oh man I wish I was demoing a song right now yeah yeah for sure um so I know you play bass in a lot of your musical projects too Mm -hmm. so as a bassist is that something that you kind of start with first to provide like a framework for songs or does that fall under the umbrella of like not being able to just sit down and like okay this is the baseline so as I'm moving forward in my writing bass is definitely more on my mind but Mm -hmm. when I started really conceptualizing this album I very distinctly was like I don't want this to be like too focused on the bass because so much of like my you know my musicianship has been because of the bass, which I love. Like bass is my favorite instrument. It's the best thing that there is. But I kind of wanted to make sure that I wasn't pigeonholing myself by making it like distinctly bass or just starting with the bass. I wanted to see what else I could like build from, you know, because it really is like, it's so much easier for me to start with bass, Um, but I wanted to challenge myself. So a lot of the time I would start with just like some chords on the synth or like a drum beat, which starting with drums is definitely, I think the move, but I think that's me speaking as like a person in the rhythm section. But yeah, it was, I feel like I grew a lot being able to kind of build from a place that wasn't necessarily so rhythm focused in the start. And it allowed me to have a little bit more fun when I did get to adding those parts to a song. Yeah. And I think it's a really good balance too. As a fellow bassist, I always appreciate it when I like listen to a record and I'm like, oh, they didn't just forget to give the bass something interesting to do. (laughs) Oh yeah. Every time you listen, you pick up something new and yeah. Yeah. I love that. So then uh, moving a little bit away from music for a second, then since we are a Michigan station, a Lansing station (laughs) specifically, I got to ask a bit about uh, some local stuff. So I know you- Oh God. I mean, no, not like, (laughs) so you're fairly recent to Lansing, just like the last couple of years or so. Yeah, I moved here in 2019 and then I was on tour for like four straight months. So I would say I've only really had like two months of living in Lansing when things were open. Oh, (laughs) so so it's really hard. Local stuff is hard for me because I really just stick. I stick to my neighborhood for sure. Um, yeah. but feel, feel free to ask me things. We'll, we'll see yeah. if I can make it through. Well, I mean, just to the best of your knowledge from, uh, before, before COVID times, just what were your initial impressions of Lansing? What are some of your favorite things about the city and like the music specifically, if you want to touch on that? I love Lansing. Um, I didn't know how much I loved Lansing when I moved here. I kind of ended up here on accident. Mm-hmm. I had been homeless and just like looking for somewhere to live and to move I kind of got priced out of living in Columbus where I lived before and then you know got an offer from some friends to have a room and a house so I was just like yep I'll move I'll move to Lansing so and I, the record are you saying that uh Lansing is better than Ohio um I'm not saying no. that uh well I would say Lansing is better than Ohio as a whole okay. I would say okay. that I have okay. like pretty equal love for Lansing and Columbus at this point understand um But I will say that one of the things I really love about Lansing is that it reminds me so much of what Columbus used to be. And I can kind of see 
the beginnings of the like really really intense gentrification yeah. shift happening here but it's it's interesting because it feels like this city is like on the cusp whereas like when i moved to columbus initially it was also like on the cusp and then it just you know everything like kind of got a little crazy and that's why I got priced out of there and it reminds me so much of like the things that I loved about Columbus in being that it's a capital city and it is like a big city but like has a very like midwest small town vibe at its core yeah. and I think the community here is like is really really great and I I feel like I very quickly like found places to belong like I would go to the avenue all the time for karaoke that was like my weekly tradition was karaoke at the Ave. I would go to crunchies for trivia and then in the summer swim in at the lake at Lake Crego but those are those are like all of my favorite things I guess I also go down to the river and to skateboard under the overpass sometimes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah it was I think I more I got like a bigger love for this city even with everything being closed just getting to enjoy like all of the things that are outside like the the parks and stuff are really nice and like honestly just like walking around town is is really great like people are always very kind I love that here I know my neighbors um <laughs> that was like I never experienced that in Columbus and I I know granted that was because I lived like on campus and a lot of people were like in and out of houses every year but like I was just like, I still want to know my neighbors. Like, what if something happens? What if I need a can opener or something? Yeah. And then you've mentioned all these like tours to the point where like you were only able to be in Lansing just for a couple of months. So how do you balance being in so many different musical projects at the same time? Um, so I kind of mentioned earlier that I put a lot of my self-worth into my productivity. <laughs> and that is something that throughout COVID, I have kind of tried to kind of unpack with myself because if we're being honest I (laughs) I was not balancing well I love touring it's my favorite thing in the world playing shows is the best part of making music maybe a close second to recording albums I really love recording but playing shows is like my favorite thing and traveling I also love so being able to do both of those things is is great but I feel like I was kind of pushing myself a little hard and putting myself in a position where I was just like so exhausted but I like didn't think that I could do anything else like kind of a like this is all I'm good for sort of thing which I know is not true but I on the more positive side of it I really just enjoy it so much so anytime I have the opportunity to do it I pretty much always say yes I am working on setting better boundaries for myself. <laughs> Maybe when touring comes back, I won't be on the road as much, um, but we'll see. I I, fe- I kind of feel like the moment I'm allowed to tour again and somebody's like, hey, you want to like go be gone for like six months? I'm going to be like, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, sure. Make it yeah. yeah, but it's I like you mentioned earlier about being inspired by being in those bands like I just get so much inspiration by being surrounded by musicians and like meeting new people that I I wouldn't trade that sort of influence in my life for the world yeah so then is the get tough record coming out at this specific time kind of a product then of having all this like new time off of tour and needing something to like feel productive I suppose (laughs) Um, something you were already working on before like did it just speed up the process I guess is my question 
it actually slowed down the process. Because oh. um, initially, I was trying to have the whole thing recorded by the end of March, which I was going to be leaving for a tour. So my intentions were to mix on the road and then like put it out in the summer. But mind you, all the songs that ended up on the record, a lot of them weren't written at that time. So it's kind of funny. Like it would have had a completely different track list had I like done it at that time in that timeline that I had wanted. Um, And I don't think I would have been as happy with it, but I just kind of, you know, I took it as an opportunity like having to be inside and having to, you know, not do anything <laughs> other stuff musically, you know, I, I took it as an opportunity to take more time with it and kind of let it grow. And, you know, I told myself, I was like, maybe we can try to write some other songs. Um, maybe some of them will end up good. And then, you know, yeah. a few of them did. <laughs> um, that sounds like a very healthy mindset. And I'm just yeah. <laughs> that you were able to like go to the pandemic and be like, you know what, maybe I'll take my time instead of trying to fill all of this free time. Yeah. Well, and the thing was taking more time meant spending more time, which gave me more things to do, which was really <laughs> great. But yeah, I had initially wanted to release it last summer. Um, that didn't happen. And then I, again, wanted to release it in like October and then that didn't happen. I wasn't done um, or I wasn't really happy with it at that point. And also uh, the weekdays was putting out an EP in October and I was like, I don't really want to conflict with my own band. And then I was like, well, I can't put it out in November because I don't want to put something out near the election because I have no idea what could happen. And then I was like, and I don't want to put it out in December because I don't want to like miss out on being like in like year-end wrap-ups I don't want it to get like kind of brushed away and I was also in December recording for two of my bands like next records so I was like I'm just like too busy and then I was just like but I need this to come out because I have too much stuff in my back catalog to not just like push this out and then like start working on what's next So I kind of, I made the very conscious decision to be like, I'm going to be like one of the first releases of the year. I'm like, I'm super down with that. And I hope that I will be able to keep the momentum of people like listening to it and like checking it out for the first time and whatever throughout the year. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe uh, the hype will die down and I'll just suddenly drop a second record. Yeah, I feel like sometimes <laughs> those first albums of the year, like the ones people remember the most sometimes too, because it's like, you're not yet overwhelmed. Like, oh, so much music came out this year. I feel yeah. like this and this. It's just like, oh, we could spend some time with this Get Tough record, really like take the month to appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but since we're talking about like year end wrap ups and stuff, uh, I just want to know what were some of your favorite records of 2020 then? Um, My favorite record of 2020 was Sawayama by Rina Sawayama um so good I love the weird like new metal influence in that album um and I've been arena fan for a while and I was just like I was so blown away and then I don't even remember what else came out at this point (laughs) (laughs) oh I really liked um phony knock yourself out yeah I Neil is a we'll say an acquaintance but I loved his old band um Donovan, Donovan Wolfington yes so much my my old band would play shows with them sometimes and I remember I was on tour in November of 2019 and 
I like met Neil for real for the first time because he's like friends with some people I was on tour with. And so we were, we were like at this bar, just like chatting and I like introduced myself and I was like, not to be weird, but like, uh, I love your old band. And also we've met before. <laughs> and so we were just like chatting and he was like, Oh, I have like a new project. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. And then it was, you know, it was absolutely great. And then Eichler's, I may be cute, but I'm dumb AF, kind of a ska emo record, a uh, little bit trappy also. Uh, yeah, I. it's hard to like think of everything that came out. I what, what always first comes to mind other than the Rena record is like just stuff that my friends put out that I liked. Um, nothing, nothing wrong with having yeah, those were probably Those were three that I really, really liked. Those are good picks. Yeah, I feel like I just listen to a ton of music too. So it's like, it's sometimes hard to cycle through and I don't ever want to like make a list because then I'm just like, maybe I'm snubbing something. Cause I just really like a lot of things for a lot of different reasons. I can always pick my number one though. I think that's like, and I think that's important. As long as I have one that I really, really like, I'm good. Yeah. It's like, you got to balance that. Like the morals of like, you shouldn't go ranking music. And then, but also yeah. like, I love organizing things and like picking my favorite. I don't know. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I also love that, but I never want to like post it and then just like make people feel bad because I don't yeah. like, like, well, like not because I don't like their record, but because it didn't make the cut. And this music that this other. Yeah. 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 So then what, I guess listening to music is probably one of them then, but what else have you kind of been using your free time uh, because of the like shutdown to do what, like new hobbies or anything that you've picked up? So the big thing that I, I started doing was I started using TikTok a lot, <laughs> which I'd been using it for a while, um, but I never like really made content on there. And then kind of right, like a few months into quarantine, I was just like, I'm bored and I want to get better at bass. So I started trying to get really good at fingerstyle and I started trying to learn how to slap and I started doing bass covers on TikTok, which was really cool um, and a lot of fun. And I'm like, I still do them every now and again, but I, I've been really wanting to use all of this time to like improve at things I already do. So like getting better at bass was a big one of those. I've also picked up some new hobbies. <laughs> I started needle felting and I make little... <laughs> little critters um I just like watched way too many ASMR crafting videos where people were needle felting and I was like I could do that and I can apparently and it's a really fun like kind of mindless thing because I like to fidget I like to do things with yeah. my hands so it's like a really nice thing that I can just be like sitting and just like stabbing this thing a million times and then sculpting it like it's a really fun thing to do I've been doing a lot of makeup I always do a lot of makeup though um, but I've been trying to get better at that. And I feel, I honestly like feel myself growing in a lot of ways, which is kind of the reason that I came to realize that maybe being on tour all the time wasn't necessarily the best thing for me because like I am enjoying growing so much. And I feel like I might have kind of stunted myself by being gone so much and not getting to spend a lot of time with myself. Yeah. Yeah. And now I started uh, streaming on Twitch. So I, I'm just like picking up things left and right to like fill the time. Yeah. Do you um, want to uh, shout out the TikTok and the Twitch channel oh, for, your, uh, yeah. for the audience? So my Twitch is get tough, stay tough, which is the same as my Twitter. Um, that's T-U-F-F -F, tough. Um, my TikTok is 
emos kissing. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, I am not very funny. Um, <laughs> I, I do my best to be funny. Uh, my best content is definitely musical content, but there are some terrible jokes on there too, if that's something you're into. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I just have a couple more questions then. So on social media, you talk a lot about wanting to like add weirdness to music and to like shows and stuff. What does that mean to you? I guess, what are the best aspects of making quote unquote weird music? Um, I just, I really want to be surprising and to be shocking. For sure. Um, I think about a lot. Um, I don't know if you've heard the, the poppy record. I disagree. Yes. That was okay. my favorite to last year. Yes, me too. I can't believe I didn't mention that for some reason. I forgot that came out last year. Time is a blur. Um, <laughs> but Poppy is one of my favorite artists and I, you know, liked her before that album as well. And I remember when that album came out, I like, I put it on and I was just like, so blown away. And I was just like, I didn't even know you could do this. Like, I didn't know this was allowed. Like, and that feeling was like so special and so visceral that I just, I immediately was inspired to just like, really like flip the script and um kind of you know do something that's like surprising and I I didn't do it too much on this album because you know uh, a good bit was like written before I started having that kind of artistic like awakening yeah um I feel like and I, I feel the same way with the Rena record too it, it kind of does the same thing where it really surprised me yeah like you can see the intention is there like it's not just like pop music it's like pop premium I don't know what to call it it's like yeah (laughs) yeah um well and that's kind of like I and I mentioned my love of musical theater yeah um I love theatrics and I love things to be very very dramatic which is why I've been kind of branding under this idea of like being drama pop and yeah I it is a real bummer to not get to play shows because I have all of these ideas for like crazy things to do in a live set like I when I we did my um album release stream I like put all this blood on my face and I just like I just you know I had a lot of fun with it um and I remember because we were streaming it on Twitch like the chat was just like going insane like there's like this crazy like build happening because we were playing there's nothing here yet and there's this like crazy build that uh my bandmates were doing which is usually where the noise section in that song in the recording would be. And I like had this idea. I was like, okay, I, you guys are going to do this. And then I'm going to put blood on my face and then I'm going to come back and I'll be covered in blood. And then we're going to go into a breakdown afterward and the lights are going to turn red. And that's how we're going to end the set. And everyone's like, that's a little bit wild. I'm like, yeah, but like, this is going to be cool. And the chat was just like, what is going on? This is crazy. And I was just so like, that sort of reaction is what I want, you know? Yeah. I want people to like the music, but I also want to give them a real, like, like what is going on sort of moment and to be shocking, you know? I want to be really theatrical. I want it to kind of be this, like, never know what you're going to get, you know? Like, never really plan anything, but there's always going to be a little something weird. Like, I don't know, maybe one day I'll start wearing a cloak. That would be kind of cool. But when shows come back, then the version of the album that we hear live might be totally different than the version of the album we hear in the studio. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Especially when I have access to people playing like real instruments. Like mm-hmm. I'm, when I did get to play a few full band shows with this project before quarantine, it was with real guitar and real bass. So it was like guitar, bass, synth. And then we, we just played the backing tracks for the drums, but the intention for all of it is for it to be a full band, no tracks, like an eight to 10 piece band, ideally, <laughs> um, with like a ton of instrumentation and like, I definitely, I'm so, yeah, but I'm so intrigued by being able to rearrange these songs and make them mean something new, you know, I don't know, I think there's something very cool about the difference between the way a song sounds live versus on a recording, and I know sometimes it can be disorienting for, you know, a showgoer, but for me as a showgoer, if I like love a band and I know the songs and they do a completely like crazy version of it, when I see them, I'm just like, yes, like this is like a once in a lifetime sort of thing. Like, um, and you know that these arrangements grow because of people playing together and it's informed by everybody's like new perspectives and the way that they've like changed the way they think about the song and like their other influences like between releasing the song and now and it's just I it warms my heart so I just want to like be able to make that sort of experience for people and it even like makes it a little bit easier putting out music too because you're like this isn't just some unchangeable thing where I like put it out and it's done like the song can still be a living breathing thing as you like take it into shows and stuff yeah definitely so yeah while in sickness and in hell is ostensibly a solo album it sounds like a lot of people other people kind of had a hand in the project too, whether it was just like advice talking you through like the process and stuff. Uh, What role did collaboration kind of play in the album? I love collaborating with people. And I am, when I'm working on music, I am the most annoying person to be friends with because I'm always like, do you like this? Would you change anything? Do you have any critiques? Like what, what would you do here? Like, or, or very often it'll be me like showing something to my roommate, Emma, who plays piano for me and arranged There's Nothing Here Yet. I'll be like, oh, like what, like, what would you do? And she'll just be like, oh, like, here's what I would do. And I'm like, oh my God, that's like so cool. I never thought about that, which is why her arrangement of that song ended up on the album. I would say that's like the biggest collaboration that happened because initially that closing track was not gonna be on the album at all um because it used to be a bubblegum pop song um like extremely high energy very dancey there were like synth strings and like just a lot of I don't know is it's very strange I never thought it would be on there but we were playing a live stream and it was just gonna be me and Emma on the piano and so we were like you know trying to figure out what songs to play and we needed one more to fill the time. And she's like, do you have anything that's like easy? That's only like a couple chords. And I was like, oh, well, I I have this song. I like never really thought about playing it. I like used to play it sometimes, but I don't know if I really like it. And she started kind of playing with it on the piano. And I was like, are you sure those are the right chords? It sounds so spooky. And she's like, these are the right chords. This is a pretty dissonant song. And then we were like working through it. And I'm like, like it like clicked for me. I was like, this, I think this song needs to sound like this. And she was like, oh yeah, this should be a piano ballad. So we spent a lot of time working on that arrangement together. And 
it's like such a special thing, like to have been able to do that because that arrangement is not something that I ever would have thought of. And similarly with Kevin Proshnow playing bass on Ragdoll, like the stuff that he did on there is nothing that I ever would have thought to put there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so grateful to have him do it because even as a bassist, like when I finished the initial mix of that track, I had this moment where I was like, something just doesn't feel right. And it had like a baseline and it just, something just wasn't hitting for me and I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I saw that Kevin was like taking commissions for bass parts. And I was just like, I was like, Oh, Um, so I like sent him it and, you know, I gave him all the the info or whatever. And he sends me back two versions. Um, One, which is the version that ended up actually on the song and one that was like a little bit less crazy and he's like I did one where I was like really really going for it and then the other one um is a little bit more straightforward um totally understand if you use one that's more straightforward I was like no like I asked you to I I asked you to do this because I love the way that you play and I love what you bring to this song now similarly with with sleepyhead doing the verse on over it like I when I wrote that song, I immediately was like, I knew Jesse was the person to do the verse. I like, I wrote it, couldn't figure out a second verse. And I was like, this sleepyhead goes here. Like, that's just like what happens. And like, they made it such a special moment. Like I just love collaborating with my friends. I think you really do yourself a disservice if you close yourself off to outside input in your creative process because you'll always end up with like a more developed and like more intriguing product. I think if you allow those outside perspectives, um, because nobody thinks about music in the same way. And that is like one of the most fascinating and most fun things about it. So if I had it my way, I would have friends collaborating on everything that I do. That is not always, um, completely like possible but I I do try like every single time I make a demo I'll like think of a friend that I want to like have play with it and I'm just like hey would you want to would you want to mess with this a little bit because this could be kind of cool even outside of being on the record like a lot of people just helped me find the momentum to like make it at all and I'm so grateful for that so then do you have any uh like dream collaborators that like you could die happy if you have to work with this person um my actual dream collaboration, I probably have, let's say the top two, the two that I've been thinking about a lot lately. One, T-Pain. <laughs> I want to do a song with T-Pain so bad because he, he inspires me so much. Like he's such an amazing producer and I love the way that he uses extremely affected vocals despite being an amazing vocalist it's one of those things that I've always been scared to do and it's the reason that it doesn't happen very much on this album is that I felt like I needed to prove to everybody that I can sing before I start making music (laughs) where I just heavy affect the vocals Um, because then nobody can be like well Arby can't actually sing because I'll be like here's this whole album where I do it a lot so don't mind me super auto-tuning everything I'm doing now yeah I want to collab with T-Pain so bad um and also with 303 I've been tweeting at them so much I am like I am unironically a huge 303 fan because I am you know I was a scene kid for a very long time 
but yeah, I've, I've always wanted to do a song with them. I tweet at them all the time. I've made TikToks where I'm like, Hey, you guys want to, can we please do a song together? Like, uh, they liked my last tweet about it too. And I was just like, Hey, uh, y'all like I'm, I'm a huge fan and I'm really good at music. Can we please, can we please, which I just think it would be, it would be transcendent. It'd be revolutionary. Yeah, I'd be lying <laughs> if I said uh, 303 wasn't like one of the bands that kind of got me into music when I was in middle school. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> but, so sick. <laughs> yeah, they just, I don't know how it aged the way it did, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I'll be honest, a good bit of that lyrical content d- didn't age well. Yeah. For but sure. for like, nostalgia reasons. And like the fact that now we're getting stuff like uh I guess a hundred gecks you could kind of draw yeah. a line from that and just all this new like electronic uh I don't really know what the word I'm looking for is I mean like hyper pop is kind of very yeah. referential and reminiscent of that era of yeah. like scene music and, even and like it's Charlie XCX maybe yeah. like, probably would not exist the way she does now without like 303's impact yeah well because I think about like god like 303 and like the medic droid and uh who else was in that era like broken side even like yeah like I don't think a lot of the music the like hyper pop that we listen to today would exist without without like that being such like a weirdly big thing also Cobra Starship who I'm oh yeah also a huge fan of I did a cover set of Cobra Starship for Halloween yeah I would also love, love to collaborate with Gabe Sephora. Uh, I just want to collaborate with my scene idols. Is that so wrong? Uh, <laughs> all right, then. So just uh, wrapping things up, I guess. Now that the album's out, uh, what's what's up next for Get Tough? What's the most immediate thing we can look forward to that you're allowed to tell us about so far? Oh, um, I'm actually putting out, there's a, a cover comp. I mean, this, this probably won't be out in enough time, but uh, there's cover comp coming out tomorrow of Reliant K songs <laughs> that I am on. I covered Witch to Bury, Us or the Hatchet, which is my favorite Reliant K song. I grew up in the church, um, regrettably. Um, so I was a big fan of all those Christian bands. So that was a really fun thing to do. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of like cover comps, working on a lot of collaborations with friends. I guess probably the the best thing to to shout out for myself musically right now is that on my Twitch, I do live beat making and I like build songs from scratch on there um, with like input from people in the chat. And it's always a lot of fun just to kind of like, you know, see how quickly we can put something together and see how it grows um, with that outside input. Yeah. And I talk a lot about production and stuff on there too. Um, Yeah. So follow me on Twitch. That's where I'm doing all the fun stuff right now. (laughs) With the uh, live beat making and stuff, have you ever thought about like doing like the the Kenny Beats, the cave kind of thing and like bringing in artists to like make beats for dreams and stuff? Oh, that would be really cool. I actually never thought about that. It was just kind of this thing where I, Twitch for me in general is just a way for me to feel affirmed in doing the things that I would be doing by myself otherwise Um, and yeah that would be really cool actually to like bring other people in to that process in like a more substantial way because I definitely find that sometimes I make beats and like sounds that don't really fit for me and yeah it'd be cool for other people to like 
do something on them. Oh gosh. Now you have, you've given me a lot to think about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was Impact 89 FM with uh, Get Tough. New album in sickness and in hell out now. It's great. Go listen to it if you like music. <laughs>